We want to welcome those who are visiting and worshiping with us this morning. Our Holy Gospel today is from the 12th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 32. Glory to you, O Lord. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for their servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline in the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if, it come, even if he comes in the third or the second watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known all at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The Gospel of our Lord. I invite you to join me in praying together the Holy Spirit prayer this morning in our time of meditation. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts here faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God who by the light of the Holy Spirit who instructs the hearts of the faithful granted by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My daughter Grace is preaching at Trinity Lutheran Church today in South Minneapolis, Minnesota. She told me they give her eight to ten minutes. I said, eight to ten minutes? She says, yeah, the air conditioning's not working at the church. So they're trying to shorten the worship service. I'm sure you're all thinking, I hope they turn their air conditioning off here. <laughs> I had several visits this week, uh, both in homes and in hospital rooms. I had two specific home visits this week with two people who are in their ninth, ninth decade of life. We actually have a number of people in our congregation who are in their ninth decade of life. One of them was here last night, Elaine Henderson. Most of you know Elaine? She's 98 years old. She's the second oldest member of our congregation. Belle Castell has one year on her. One of these 90-plus-year-olds that I met with this week, she said to me, she says, I pray every day. She says, I pray every day to let the Lord know that I'm ready to come home. And then she interjected, I guess God isn't done with me yet. The other 90-year-old said to me, he says, I look forward to calling and talking to my brother every day. He has a brother that lives back in Minnesota. He says, I come from a family with seven brothers and sisters, and my brother and I are the only two remaining alive today. And I call to encourage him, and he, in turn, encourages me. Both of these 90-plus-year-olds, they both told me stories of their lives. 
They have both lived long lives filled with blessings, faithful marriage, children, grandchildren, adopted children. They have certainly faced many times of uncertainty and illness, injury, threats from cancer. And yet they have also experienced the good pleasure of experiencing the kingdom, as Jesus talked about today. They have had the experience of experiencing the good pleasure of the kingdom of God while they have lived here through service, through faithful worship in this community, and having had the opportunity to live in this faith community together with you. They've been blessed with family and friends, and they have both had relatively good prosperity and security in their lives. But they have also both lost their spouses of multiple years of marriage. And so they have continued to live with that loss and grief of no longer having their lifelong partner with them. And the one thing that has sustained them both in their walk through life is their faith in the Lord of their life, Jesus Christ. Our passage from Hebrews today starts by stating, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That's a pretty good definition of faith. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I read something this week that spoke to me about these two people that I visited this week. And this is what I read. Faith, as it is described in Scripture, is not a destination. It is not a conclusion or a form of closure in one's life. But rather, faith is a longing. Faith is a hunger. Faith is a desire. And as I reflected upon those two visits that I had this week with those 90-plus, what do we, we, call, we call people who are in their 80s, we call them oct octogenarians, don't we? What, what do they call 90-year-olds? 90-genarians? I don't know what it is. But as I reflected on those two visits with those two 90-plus-year-old persons from our church this past week, I saw faith in their faces, and I heard faith come out of their lips. And I heard about long lives that have been lived with an assurance of things hoped for and a conviction of things not seen. And I saw and I heard faith through words of longing, through words of hunger and desire. I sometimes wonder, I sometimes wonder if we, the collective we, I'm not just talking about us here, I'm talking about people all around Lake Havasu City, I'm talking about people in Los Angeles and New York and South Dakota and Texas and... South America, all over the world, I sometimes wonder if we, the collective we, we've lost our sense of perspective. I know for me, and I don't know about you, but I need, I need to have biblical texts like this passage from Genesis to remind me of God's perspective, to remind me of God's timeline, to, remem to remind me of God's faithfulness. Because one of the things that I hear in this whole entire Genesis story, and it's not just the 15th chapter, but you, you really need to get the full flavor of it. You really need to read 15, 16, and 17. And just read those, read those chapters. 
And one of the things that you will hear in there is that God is the one who initiates. God is the one who creates that faith relationship with Abram and Sarai. And yet God is also the one that keeps drawing him and Sarah back, keeps drawing them and pulling them back and inviting them back to not lose sight of God's perspective. And I want to share just something with you. It was something that I shared with you uh, three years ago that has a lot to do with teaching us something about patience and waiting and longing. Three years ago, I shared with you in chapter 15, it says that no one but your very own issue will be your heir. That's what, the, that's what God told Abram in a vision, in a dream. He also told him to go out and look into the heavens and count the stars. And he said, so shall the number of descendants be. The interesting thing is, if, if you read those passages between chapters 15, 16, 17, 18, and so on, the interesting thing is, is that from the moment that Abram had that vision and from the time that Sarah actually gave birth, the time span in there was 14 years. 14 years from the time of the vision until Sarah gave birth to Isaac. That's a long time, isn't it? 14 years is a long time to wait on a promise. Isn't that some, doesn't that teach us something about perspective? Doesn't that teach us something about patience? I want you to imagine, if you will, just for a moment, just for a few moments, imagine yourselves in that very life of Abraham and Sarah. And I think most of us here probably can. I mean, none of us here really are planning on having any more children in our lives, are we? <laughs> hmm. This is that place of perspective for each of us to take some time and to put our own faith journey into perspective. As, as one of my commentary sources reflects, it says that the most difficult thing about faith... The most difficult thing about faith, and this is, this is something that's speaking directly to me, and I would, I would think that it's probably speaking directly to you as well. The most difficult thing about faith is that it requires a level of patience and persistence that does not come to us naturally. That's me. I guarantee you that's me. Because I don't have that patience and persistence that I wish I had. I wish it came to me more naturally. The other perspective that gives me a sense of solace and assurance is the fact that all throughout biblical salvation history, all throughout the Bible, story after story after story, and I have mentioned this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again, that God continues to choose and to work through people who are constantly messing up. Wow. I mean, do you want me to go through the litany? I'm just going to name a few. Abraham was one of them. I mean, did Abraham really believe the promise? Eh, he kind of lost patience there and, uh, you know, had a child by another woman. King David, what do we know about King David? Did some pretty ruthless things during certain times of his life. Or take, for instance, the disciples, who were, for the most part, dumbfounded and simply didn't understand a lot of things. It took Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead for the disciples to finally get it. And then, of course, the one that always throws me the most is that Jesus took it upon himself to call Saul, one of the greatest persecutors of Christians to ever live. And yet God struck him down and said, Saul, you will become my voice for me. And you will no longer be known as Saul, but you will become 
the Apostle Paul, and you will become one of the most profound spokespersons for the sake of the gospel. And then there's you and me. It's you and me, folks. And yet through our baptismal covenant and through that promise that Christ made for us, Christ every day continues to call us back to be his children in spite of our shortcomings and our impatience and our seeming lack of faith at times, Jesus still keeps his promise to us. Christ never gives up on us, and Scripture assures us of that. As the Apostle Paul wrote in the 8th chapter of Romans, that absolutely nothing will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, it speaks of Abraham and his faith. It says, by faith... All, go back and reread that section. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Abraham obeyed and set out. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land that he has been promised. By faith, he received the power of procreation. And ultimately, it says that in faith, he died. He died in faith, not having received the fullness of the promise and yet confessing that he was just a stranger and a sojourner and a foreigner on this earth. I want to offer up something for you to think about and perhaps try to do this week. I wonder if it would be a good exercise for us to take some time to complete the sentence about ourselves and our life of faith. And I don't want you to do this as a form of self-aggrandizement or a form of lifting yourself and puffing yourself up and going, oh yeah, I'm such a wonderful person of faith because I, by faith, I, by faith, have done this and I, by faith, have taken this step. And No, I, I, I want you to do this. I want you to think about considering doing this. How do you add to the paragraph of your life? You are still in your story of life through salvation history. And your paragraphs are still being written. You, are, you and I are as much a part of this salvation history story as much as Abraham or David or the Apostle Paul or the disciples. You and I are as much a part of that salvation history as they were. And our paragraphs are still being written. What are your paragraphs saying about you? By faith, I... Dot, dot, dot. By faith, I... Dot, dot, dot. Perhaps it might say, by faith, I longed for. By faith, I hungered for. By faith, I desired to be. Take some of those phrases and complete them. Or not just complete them, but think about them as being something that is in the process of continually evolving and coming to completion. Because your faith story, just like Abraham... You are living out your life by faith. And those things and those actions and those words and those acts of kindness and, and acts of justice and acts of extending compassion, all of, things, all of those things are a part of what it means to live by faith. I think these passages for us today are reminders to us as we place our faith journeys into perspective, that we look back at the lives of those faithful followers who have gone on before us, and to be reminded again that they too had lives of struggle and enormous challenge. And yet in the midst of all of those life challenges and struggles, ultimately they found that the most satisfying way to be was a life of faith in which they bore witness to the faithfulness of God in, our, in their lives. And might we also in the midst of our life, stand with those faithful followers who have gone on before us 
and proclaim and live boldly that the most satisfying way to be for us on this life journey that we are on, knowing full well that we are yet strangers and foreigners and that we are only here for a short while, but yet is God's good pleasure that you and I have the opportunity to be a part of God's kingdom even here right now. And that means living our lives by faith through the words and the deeds and the actions that we bear witness to the faithfulness of God in our lives. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we, join, as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against him. It's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.